0: Hey there, welcome back to the podcast. This is Jonathan with PureAndSimpleBible.com, and and we are in the middle of a mini-series on being fishermen and brethren, specifically about what's going on in our country. When so many people are crying out for fairness, for justice, and they look at the color of skin as something that gauges for certain things that maybe we agree or don't agree about. The point is, how can the church respond during these times? We've talked about mental orientation, the way we should view one another, the way we should view the world. We've talked specifically about being fishermen and how we're going to do our best to meet the fish, that is, people around us at their level. We're now ready to talk about the third section in this big discussion, and that is What about brethren? How are brethren supposed to get along whenever they're different? Now, it could be skin color, and it could be other things as well, but how are brethren to get along when partiality, the sin of treating others differently based on things that really shouldn't cause us to treat others as different, how are we supposed to respond to it, and how are we supposed to overcome it? Brother Marcus Mathis and Kenneth Magwood are back in studio with me, and we're going to begin this third part of this very excellent conversation right now. So as, as we move towards um, the church, I think we I, it might be good if we ask that question again that we asked way back at the beginning of this conversation, and that was, how can I help? Specifically about uh, in a conversation about injustice and partiality or racism, how can I help on a brotherly level? And so um, I don't know if you guys want to maybe start with just that, if if there's kind of a big thought that we want to begin with, or if there's something a little bit more specific. Um, either of you want to jump in?
1: I would just say identify the problem first. Um, I, I don't know exactly, you know, how everyone feels at large in the masses or if there is a problem or an issue, but whatever it is, identify and, and go back to the scripture to figure out what we need to do to address that issue. And, and I would ask, is there a problem? Because if it's not, then if it's not a problem or an issue, then what are we, you know, discussing? If there is an issue and there is a problem, then, okay, now we can work towards a solution. But I wonder, is there a, a, a problem?
2: I think the word problem might be a little misleading because I guess when you think of the word problem, you think of... It's here and then it's gone. But from a Christian standpoint, when we talk about our brethren, you know, the problem is, is sin. And we're all going to be experiencing sin, you know, and we're trying to overcome it. So, you know, as long as we're on earth, the issue is overcoming sin. And you can look at that as like, I guess, a problem, but it's already been resolved in a sense because of Christ. So I think it's not really, can we solve the problem? I think it's more, how can we strengthen and edify our brethren to overcome sin? That's really the task that each one of us have. You know, we have to overcome sin. And I think that, I think sometimes um, we get a little, so Satan's crafty. I, I'll say it like this. I've one of the scriptures that really intrigued me is when uh, Satan is—I'm not saying when Jesus is tempted, because he doesn't just come out of left field. He tries to use scripture. He tries to use things that have a level of truth to them, but they're taken out of context or they're twisted. And I kind of see, you know, the same thing sometimes as a tactic to to the church that causes divisions if we're not careful. And it's it's almost as though because you know sin has to manifest itself in some kind of form because, you know, let's say there's a congregation of 100 people and let's say 10 of them are experiencing a very specific form of sin. And, you know, the other 90 don't. And then all of a sudden there's this contest of why well, I really am, really am going through this. And they're like, well, no, you, you kind of need to prove it. And, and so it becomes like this contest. The 90 like, well, actually, you know, we're kind of dealing with this, you know, manifestation of sin. And so at that point it becomes like this competition for understanding or this competition for compassion or whatever it becomes a more of a competition that ultimately just divides us because then you have the 10 just saying y'all just don't get me let me go find you know a group that actually does and then we end up getting you know a a schism of like-minded brethren over here and the schism of like-minded and if we come back and reduce it we're all experiencing the same thing we all have to overcome sin and Satan has manifested in a way that's going to affect you and you. I mean, he's perfected a lot of his techniques. He's been here a long time. And so what might be affecting me, you may never go through. You may never experience this specific manifestation of sin. I don't, I don't need you to you know, go and have to prove that Satan is attacking you in a certain way. My job is to say, okay, how can I help you overcome that?
1: And along those along those lines, you know, you mentioned that partiality has occurred because of your skin color. That's that's what you said, right?
2: Yeah. uh, Yeah. So
1: so that goes both ways. And I think the solution, you know, for us is to take time to get to know every single person. And that's going to require both people to step outside of their carve zone out of that box to build relationships with people who look like them and with people who don't look like them because it can happen. I taught one of my brothers, and uh, he's white, uh, a handshake that I do with a lot of my people, a lot of my brothers who aren't white. He never would have knew that handshake, but when I do the handshake with the people who aren't white, I feel like there's a connection and there's a bond there because it's just a small handshake, and then when I shake another person's hand, that connection is missing because we don't have that shake. Well, now my brother and I, we do. So when we greet one another, he can choose to use a handshake that I taught him, which in our actuality brings us closer. I found, I, I found out that he knows how to play spades and I've been wanting to play spades for a long time, but I never, I haven't had my brothers to play spades with because a lot of them just don't know that game. Turns out he knows him and his wife both know that game. So now we get to play that game together, which is something that I enjoy. So I think, like I said, that it starts with everyone wanting to have a genuine interest in that next person. And I, just speaking for me, it it takes work because it's easier with people who I feel like I connect with already. Like, it's it's easier. But I don't know. Certain people like like jonathan i feel like i have a strong connection with you and i don't know it just i don't know what caused it
0: uh well you certainly haven't taught me a secret handshake Marcus. <laughs> i'm greatly offended no, not yet
1: not yet i don't know if, if Kenneth knows that he can show you
2: <laughs> oh man i, I didn't now nah, i'm with you man we...
0: <laughs> i want to go back to something um marcus that that You mentioned a few minutes ago when you are talking, and that was acknowledging differences, but it doesn't affect the presentation of the gospel. Um, You've got to get to know certain people, specifically about brethren. I feel like there are some folks that they're not wanting to acknowledge those differences.
1: Yeah, I see what you're saying.
0: They're concerned that acknowledging the differences... uh,
1: Would change... I'm well, oh,
0: sorry. I, Go ahead, I, guys. I don't know what I'm saying. I tell you, I feel like I'm I'm off my
2: mental groove today. Well, I'm ready. I'm ready. You're ready for it? <laughs> no, I'm ready to jump. I got, already got a response. I thought,
1: no. I thought I thought you were going more towards to say if they acknowledge those differences, then things are going to change. But maybe well, that's not where you were going.
0: It could be. I think. I I guess what I'm they don't want to acknowledge the the. Okay. Let me see if I can say it like this. They're concerned that if they acknowledge that it's real, that they're somehow going to be responsible for them, even though they didn't do anything themselves intentionally.
2: Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Man. Okay.
2: Now. I want to raise my hand. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. I, maybe that'll help me form my thoughts. Well, okay. So I, I think I know where you're getting at. I think but first I want to go back and I, I, I want to make a point with partiality and I'm gonna jump into that um I talked about my skin color and then I went and I talked about us uniting partiality is impartial <laughs> it uh I remember my wife was telling me about a, a white woman in a Hispanic neighborhood and she was talking about all these neg- the way people were looking at her as if she was the source of all of their problems mm-hmm. and you know all this blame and so I think what it comes down to is everybody want to be understood and I, and I think there there's this perspective that everybody has You know, and and so I'm not a white person, but I would imagine that there is there could be some anxiety about speaking on matters like this because it's so easy to be labeled a racist. It's so easily I mean, it's easy to be blamed for, you know, things that have happened in the past. There's a lot of, you know, your reputation can be there's there's a lot of high consequences for misstepping, misspeaking. Um, And so I would imagine they want to be heard just as much. You know, like this, the way that I'm being affected, why is that any less or any more, you know, important mm-hmm. than the way that the recipient or, you know, and that's what I mean by different manifestations. But I think a very specific, you, you asked a very specific question about, you know, people being blamed. Um, and I will say that as a Christian, we have to understand that there is a such thing as consequences. And so... It doesn't necessarily mean you did anything, but it means that consequences ripple. I remember you telling me the other day when uh, I think it was an email or something that you sent about you know the person that saves uh, brings a soul back to Christ covers a thousand uh, a, a thousand sins
0: right from James well, chapter five covers a multitude of sins. A multitude
2: sins. of sins. Sorry, I'm I'm paraphrasing, but go. that registered to me because you said all the potential sins that could have could have propagated and just kept going and kept going, and then it took me back to adam and eve because their sin is still propagating because of their sin look at what we have to deal with mm, you know mm-hmm. but what that equates to is a consequence and so we're still dealing with the consequences of of adam and eve we didn't eat of that fruit we didn't disobey god we didn't do any none of us were even there yet we still have to deal with those consequences. And it's the same as, you know, a person that sins. The Bible lets us know that we have stopped what could have been this chain of things happening. And so I think it's good to understand that no, we may, you may not be responsible for certain things, any of us, but that doesn't mean the people before us didn't do something that we are still experiencing the consequences for. You know, it still affects us. And perhaps different people are affected different ways. You know, but we can't erase, you know, that consequence. And I think that's why, you know, it's so important when we can stop a sin or when somebody gets saved, we really, it's like, talk about parallel universes. We really stop, you know, something that could have just caused so much. I mean, think about what would have happened if they didn't eat of that fruit.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, there still would have been births. There still would have been populations, you know, we would have had people, we would have, you know, the consequences would have been way different. You could say that any, I could go back and, you know, what if, what if, you know, we didn't leave Britain? What if we didn't revolt? You know, we can always, people like these what if things, but in a spiritual standpoint of it, we deal with consequences, good and bad. And so acknowledging the consequence is not the same as taking on the guilt but to ignore that there is any consequence to say you know would be like to ignore what Adam and Eve did like it's like to ignore Satan and all of sin things you can clearly see and you know there are some people that just try to say there's no such thing as morality all this is you know we we try to bring those people to Christ that have this very far you know mindset that we're just cells and you know these these things that happen and so that some people that's kind of what it comes off like mm-hmm. you know how <laughs> and I think it's easy to be tripped up if you if you don't separate the consequence versus the actual guilt, you know, I, th- I think Satan just finds a lot of ways of just trying to do that. And if that can find its way in the church, it can, it can wreak havoc, you know, because yeah. now everybody's just like, they're trying to explain their side and then uh, our orientation just gets a little off kilter and slowly off kilter. And we end up focusing more and more on other things than what, god said and as brothers and sisters like i said we want to be able to help each other overcome sin sure you know so i think uniting is one way and this brings it back to you know your original question what can we do to help those in the church um we said strengthen and encourage i would say another one i said listen um you talked about acknowledging our differences um i think I think that's one, or maybe you didn't say, but I'll say acknowledging our differences. You put words in my mouth. (laughs) Sorry. I think acknowledging is different than focusing. You know, I I think you can, you made a comment where a person says, or maybe it was Marcus about, um, and then I'll be quiet, uh, about God doing things. I, I think it's really, or I don't see color or I don't see, you know, whatever the person is claiming. I know specifically I hear a lot of people say I don't see color or I don't see race or I don't see, you know, fill in the blank. Um, my only caveat, I would say, to any I don't see is if God made something, I'd be careful about it. I don't want for God to make something unique. It's like somebody, if God made somebody short, I don't want to say, I don't see what you did, God. I can't see your your uniqueness or the hmm. thing like he made the rainbow and if I say I don't acknowledge green or I don't see green, then by consequence, how can I actually see the rainbow? Or you know, those parts make the whole thing up. But anything God makes unique or different, I think it's an insult to Him to say I don't see that God. I don't. Because the see... color is
1: not the problem.
2: It's it's there's a connotation that, and this just happens in life. You know, we we attach things to other things. Kids do it. You know this this cat has four legs and then anything that they see with four legs they call a cat you know it could be i don't know it could be a dog and they'll say mommy look it's a cat you know they've they've associated certain things with four legs and i think sometimes we we do this association and to try to distance ourselves from the association we just throw the whole thing out but everything that god made or everything that was made was made by christ for his pleasure that would include uniqueness that would mm-hmm. include diversity if it exists and we didn't do it god made it and it was for his pleasure to turn around and say i don't see what you made god is kind of to me insulting to christ because this is his handiwork that we're not seeing you know yeah i think you can see it but not focus on it
1: i do not okay well here you go <laughs> he, he had a cover
2: <laughs> i'm going to be quiet you get the
0: next one all yours what <laughs> what do I do when somebody disagrees with me? Maybe they disagree with what you just said, Kenneth and Marcus or me. Uh, and maybe they say, no, 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 I don't see color. Or no, 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 there is uh, there is no problem. Or there is a big problem. Where wh- Whatever side of this they might land on. We're talking about brethren. And I think one, this is going to be one of the main takeaways I'd love for people to get and that is how do I interact and how do I talk to somebody who disagrees with me? What do you think Marcus?
1: I believe that person whoever may whoever has a disagreement you have to figure out why they disagree Um, so it goes back to what Kenneth was saying listening so acknowledging that that person has a different opinion and a different viewpoint and a different you know, perspective than what you have, and I believe, you know, that may just be. Uh, uh, every person gets their perspective from their life experiences. So that person has a different perspective, but that person also has different life experiences than you. So it's not saying that you're right and I'm wrong. It's saying that we both have a different lens of which we are viewing this certain situation. And if our lens is not the scripture, then that is the problem if your disagreement comes from something that's not found within the Bible, then you are disagreeing on something that, or your disagreement is not found, of course, from God's perspective. Mm -hmm. God's perspective is the only thing that can unify us. So there will be differences if we are not all in one accord, looking at things through God's perspective. So maybe your Point is through God's perspective well I need to be receptive of that point understanding that it is coming from God's perspective however if it's not and the viewpoint that I'm taking is found within scripture then we should be able to come to a a, uh, mutual understanding that God's word is the way that the disagreement that we have can be solved through his word and, and I'm not, you know, I guess so naive to think that every single disagreement that we have is going to be solved. And I don't think uh, that it's the end of the world if they aren't, we can still, I would say that, that we can still have a disagreement and treat each other with love, kindness, grace, mercy, all those things that God wants us to, uh, in light of that disagreement. I mean, mm-hmm. I know many times there are disagreements within the brotherhood, and it's not on specific topics uh, of things that we are, are addressing right now. But when those disagreements arise, we don't treat each other any differently. We a family. We love each other. Um, and I don't. I, I used to believe that you can change people's minds, but I don't. I don't necessarily feel like that's a, a true statement anymore. Because, I mean. <laughs> I guess it is in a way but at the same time that person is set on the way that they think for a reason and it's very hard for them to, for you to get them to look through a different perspective. But if it's the scripture that they are looking through they should always be willing. We should always be willing to change whatever perspective it is to fit the scripture. So when there is a disagreement, you you listen to that person to try to hear where their disagreement is coming from. If it's backed up with the scripture, then, of course, we are perceptive and listen to what the scripture has to say, because that's what we follow. And and I believe that would take care of any disagreement that we may have.
2: Mm-hmm. Can I put you on the spot, Marcus? Yeah. What if it's not a, a doctrinal issue? For example, you know, uh, politics, election right. time is coming up, you know. Right. What about differences, you know, people arguing, how, what is your opinion? You know, do you think?
1: I, I don't I necessarily guess. see it as a bad thing. I mean, uh, <laughs> and, and politics, of course, is something that's foreign to me because I really don't know too much about it, but I could break it down to like, you know, different types of food or something. If somebody wants to bring a, this type of dish and somebody wants to bring this type of dish and it's a disagreement about what they'll bring. Well, at the end of the day, what? how large is this issue? As uh, us following Christ, what are we going to do about this issue? What does God want us to do about this issue? And how do we handle it in a way that is pleasing to him? Because ultimately, that's what we want to do with our actions, with our thoughts, with our deeds. We want to handle disagreements in a way that is, that is pleasing in, in God's eyes. We're not belittling the person who has a disagreement. We aren't, you know... Shunning that person, we're recognizing their disagreement, recognizing their voice, hearing out their concern, and then doing what we can do in the light of the scripture uh, to address it and, and 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 take care of it.
2: I, I, guess. I, I'm sorry, that's a ding. I agree, ding ding ding. I, I put you <laughs> on the spot. Uh, but the reason I I wanted to just to add to that because my mind zeroed in on you saying, you know as long as the scriptures you know we can look to the scriptures yeah but i, I thought about a couple of uh, examples um for example i'm gonna get the names wrong i think it was paul and perhaps barnabas were fighting over john mark you know and and so those were some pretty strong opinions yeah. that weren't necessarily it was it okay. wasn't a doctrinal issue because they believed the same thing you know they were all in terms of uh you know, salvation in, in the doctrine, it wasn't necessarily differences on the doctrine. And I think about, you know, the differences of opinion with the the man that ate meat and the man that didn't eat meat, you mm-hmm. know, again, not really a doctrinal issue. They could find their, their their opinions were based on scripture, but not necessarily, you know, a doctrinal issue, as in if you practice one, you know, you're going to be in error. Or if you practice the other, you're going to be in error. Um, but when I see these different, you know, heated, opinionated things in the scriptures what comes out to me is that uh, one is that it's not wrong to have an opinion it is completely okay and I think I think at least for me there was a point where I felt like having an opinion if it was not um, received or shared by the majority I kept it myself like I wasn't allowed to have it or I had to kind of hide it as if it was a pet sin or something <laughs> you know <laughs> And I've since, you know, grown from that. And what I see in the scripture, it's completely okay to have an opinion. Um, I think the issue comes with how we express that opinion. And so when I, I know we're not talking about politics, but that's why I brought it up because I've seen on Facebook, the way a person expresses their thoughts can come all across as well you're the problem or or you don't know any better you're you know personal attacks like you would think that you yeah (laughs) (laughs) you saw that (laughs) like i mean i think for you that don't know why i'm laughing i made a post about (laughs) that phrase because that's been said to me um but I, i think it's the content matters but also how you talk about the content matters there's so many references in the scriptures about our language Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: to just be able to, and I don't think that goes out the window just because you have an opinion and you're passionate about it. Um, I don't think, you know, passion produces, you know, a prerogative for you to talk however you want to talk. And so I think in part of strengthening the the brotherhood, like how can we help each other that are going through, you know, different injustices. I think part of it is, it's, Letting them have an opinion, you don't have to necessarily agree with it, but how you disagree is probably going to be the more important part. Mm-hmm. I have a lot more, I feel so more much edified. Some of my, I, I don't have many best friends, but one that I talk to pretty often, I love talking to him because he doesn't agree with me. We can have a discussion and we sharpen it. It's, uh, I think there's a scripture that says, iron sharpened iron. Um, because I know he loves me first off, i know how he feels about me i know he's not trying to hurt me there's no malicious intent there so when he shares his opinion with me and if he does it in a respectful way i'm much more prone to analyze that in an objective way than to just shut it down completely because you don't know how to talk to me like i i couldn't tell you how many people just the the wells of communication just shut off or the the line of communication rather because You haven't even given given them a human decency of just speaking to them with respect. So if you can't do that, it doesn't matter how much truth you have, they're not going to listen to a thing you have to say because you don't know how to express an opinion. And There's a proverb, I think it's in chapter 19,
0: that says, a fool vents all his feelings. And I like that action word, vents. A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. And there are other proverbs and scriptures that talk about how that the, there is a need to communicate well, but the full vents. And I think, man, especially with social media, there is a there's a filter that's lacking because mm-hmm. because you're not with them in person, so you can't see that response. Um, we've mentioned a couple times, I think, in this episode and in some previous conversations, the idea of a husband wife and how uh, just the way that you would speak to your spouse. Is always based on love, and you're trying to love them in their the way that they can hear love. But what happens whenever you have a fight or a miscommunication or just a a really stinky day where you're not getting along? Well, love gets you through it, even though you don't like each other at the moment. And that that, that may be some wisdom if I could share about marriage for those who aren't married yet is that you're going to love. I I will love Marissa every day to the best of my ability, the way that Jesus loves the church. And I hope that she would submit to me every day to the best of her ability, the way the church submits to Christ. But there are some days where we just, we don't get along or we don't like each other because of something that was said, but love and liking are a little bit different. And I read this verse to you guys uh, last time. I wanted to read it again. It's John 13, verse 34, a new command I give you that you love one another just as I loved you, you love one another. And by this, all people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so um, if I could chime in on what happens when somebody disagrees with me or has a different opinion of me, I may not like them because that, what if the opinion, especially if it's an opinion that I find repugnant Mm -hmm. or offensive, and I just think, oh, that, you know, I am, I am going to, uh, I'm not going to unfriend you on Facebook, but I'm going to stop following you because I, that's just it's such a harsh opinion, but I'm not going to stop loving them. And there's a difference between that love, the courtesy that I'm going to show versus, uh, maybe how I feel about what they've said to me.
2: I think, um, I mean, we kept saying how, and I totally agree. For those of you that were like, well, where does the scripture talk about this? Um, the, the place i find this and i don't know the verse but i can i'll give you contact maybe Jonathan would know the verse but um, when paul was talking about the the man that ate meat and the man that didn't eat meat um, to me this is a a pretty crux area or a great place to go to learn about how to express opinions mm-hmm. um, it's in Romans 14 or first corinthians 8 yes I love it i love it because it, they're talking about meat they're talking about you know certain things but the concept can extend to a lot of different things. And uh, one of them is that this isn't a doctrinal issue, because if it was, Paul would have said one was wrong and one was correct or one was an error and one was not an error. That's not what he says. Um, instead, because they're not an error, then both of them had a some kind of biblical justifiable reason. They could say, I'm not going to eat meat because X, Y, Z, and they could mm-hmm. support it mm-hmm. because he says one does it unto the Lord and the other does it unto the Lord. And they right. could they could do that. I can't help but notice what Paul, some of Paul's instructions for kind of refereeing these disagreements. Um, One, he puts a responsibility on both parts, both parties. I know we get hung up. Well, I'm not gonna say we get hung up, but I know sometimes we look at the word, the weak brother and the strong brother, but he puts a charge on the weak brother and he puts a charge on the strong brother. One is not supposed to judge the other and the other is not supposed to despise the other. And so the, the, the necessary you know conclusion I come to is one can only despise you if they know your opinion i can't i can 't despise you if i don 't even know what you think if you 're so afraid to share an opinion there 's no way I can judge you because you 've not shared anything so I would submit that the person that ate meat, ate meat knew the other one didn't and the one that didn 't knew the other one did. They were aware of you know each other 's stances and so I, I think it's good to to have an environment where we can we're not afraid to to do that an option is to keep it to yourself and so i think he kind of teaches us different levels of dealing with these these disagreements um i don't want to just jump straight to never share because that's not what paul says he doesn't he says some other things too before you know you get to that point and i think it's important for us to be able to share our opinions with people because if we don't, if we can't connect on that level, there's somebody in the world that they will connect to Mm -hmm. and then now there's a competition of who do I feel connected to and now I got Satan pulling at you and he's promising you all these connections and this friendship and people that understand you and you're like trying to fight that off as best you can coming to church feeling like I feel alone I can't talk, I can't open up, I feel like a fake and simply just because I can't open up my mouth (laughs) that's sad.
0: Well, guys, we, uh, we opened this conversation kind of with a big uh, opening thought about fairness true, and how uh, fairness as what the world sees it. And that's what a lot of people are, are really upset about right now is that there is certain parts where they do not feel that it is fair. And so there are different ways that they can, either protest for fairness or try to change for fairness etc and so the mindset of a christian you know we started this conversation talking about how um our mindset is going to be that Jesus provides the ultimate fairness and i have to recognize that there may be some things in my life where i don't it doesn't happen as fairly as i might want it to but let's end the conversation since we're talking about brethren um i want to read a scripture and then, Marcus, I'm going to ask you a question. The Scripture is James chapter 2, verse 13. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Judgment is what a lot of people want for others w- without recognizing what it means for themselves. So I guess my question for you is, um, Why should I, as a Christian, be seeking mercy instead of judgment?
1: We are recipients of God's mercy. Therefore, we should give it out. If justice is what we are hung up on, then we just should always look at ourselves, look in the mirror, and, and look at God and to think, what do we deserve? Right. What, what type of justice was he going to hand out or should have been handed out to us we shouldn't have had the opportunity to be counted righteous and holy and stand in front of him and be allowed into his kingdom because we had rebelled against his very command we had uh, rebelled against him but he still sent his son to die on the cross to save us from the sins that we were committing so when I think about seeking mercy versus justice, and also like the scripture that you read, you you're going to be judged by the way that you judge others. Is, mm-hmm. is that believe that's what they were saying? Mm-hmm. So I I just think <laughs> I'm, I'm just grateful for God's mercy and, and His grace that He has shown up on us that He didn't give us the justice that we deserved.
0: Amen. Brother Kenneth, you want to add anything?
2: No, I, I, I totally agree. If uh, <laughs> I'm glad God doesn't give us what we want because <laughs> if we really wanted justice, we'd all be in hell right now. <laughs> we'd all be burning because uh, that's justice has to be based on something and it's based on the law. And if we've ever violated God's command, justice for us is that our eternity is in hell. And so if I'm screaming for justice, I'm also screaming for my own destruction instead i want to be screaming for mercy or not screaming but asking you know more so give me mercy please give me mercy you know because i don't want what i deserve um and i think with that it's easier for me to be a christian and and deal with things that aren't fair because if if we play that game i'm gonna end up the loser um so i can deal with a little bit of injustice see if i can get a whole bunch of whole bunch of mercy (laughs) you know uh second corinthians 5 and 10 says uh for we must all appear before the judgment seat of christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done whether it be good or bad so we're all going to be before the judgment seat and that goes into your verse for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy so if you want justice I mean, uh, if you want mercy on the on the day of judgment, we, we got to be able to give it. And I think that mercy is priceless. That's the thing that. Uh, like Marcus said, we both of y'all said. That's what that's what we need. That's what we need to be and in and in our society now, we need to be willing to give that, you know, even right. if you're right on a point, even if this isn't fair or you haven't done anything wrong, it will behoove you to give that person some mercy because it's only going to help you. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, guys, I'd like for you to have a a final thought. If there's uh, anything else that we've left out, I know there's a ton left out. For the sake of this conversation, I'm going to ask you guys for a final thought. And before you do, I wanted to read Proverbs chapter 16, verse 2. It says, All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. And when I think about judgment and justice and mercy everybody's motives are pure to themselves and so when they do something wrong they have a reason why they did it you know oh i need mercy because i had this happen before and that's why i lashed out and i was stressful or uh i was going through a lot and so that's why i did this thing and so you know i just i need mercy but when we don't know the intentions of others and they wrong us where we it's almost I think one of our basic natures to crave justice that they, they wronged us. They don't have any reason or motive for what they did. They deserve to be punished because they cut me off in traffic or they spoke <laughs> to me this way. They called me that name. Get them. But Proverbs sixteen two says that all ways are pure in, in a man's eyes because we're really good at justifying ourselves. And so my my uh addition to what you guys have brought up about mercy is that um, it's a discipline for me to extend that self-justification to others. It's a discipline of me actively giving somebody a, a reason why they cut me off in traffic. You know, it's like, you know what, maybe that guy uh, overslept and he's going to lose his job if he didn't get to work on time. So whatever, I don't care. So it's, but that discipline of giving somebody a pure motive pays off because then you're a lot, you're, you're able to let go of it a lot quicker than you are whenever they just are Hitler or whatever.
1: See, my mind, see, my mind doesn't, it doesn't necessarily go to the pure motive. It goes to the motive that says, okay, he cut me off on purpose. <laughs> but <laughs> but then my second thought is what does it even matter? Right. Like, <laughs> Like he did this on purpose, but oh well. He did this unintentionally, but at the same time, both of the things that can be overlooked in you know, with the right perspective.
0: Yeah.
2: I'm gonna be honest, guys, I get mad. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm working on that, y'all. There you go. There's your discipline. <laughs> Marcus, do you have a you have a final thought?
1: No, I just appreciate, you know, uh, the platform and being able to discuss the, the information that we were able to come you know, that you presented today. Uh, I greatly value your, your voice. And, you know, you are somebody who I admire somebody who I feel like is, is living out everything that, you know, we are discussing or have discussed and, you know, I I appreciate that.
0: Well, thank you. It's been a couple, these couple of months have been rough on me. Um, not, talking about uh the present crisis in our country but just with since corona started seriously yeah. it's been a, kind of a roller coaster up and down so thank
2: you for that what i would just want to say is that you know feel free to agree with anything everything disagree with anything everything my only request is that you just talk to each other actually talk have a conversation and practice in that conversation just doing it in in a loving manner and that way we can just get used to talking about difficult things, no matter what it is with our loved ones and they can become our source of, of strength. Amen. Well, thank you guys very much.
1: Thank you. I appreciate you guys.
0: I want to thank brother Kenneth and Marcus for joining me in studio. It was a long time coming. We had several conversations beforehand. We actually recorded twice and that second time we rerecorded, that's what you got to hear and uh, there were several behind-the-scenes conversations that we had also where we were able to be a little bit more intimate about some of the things we discussed. It was a very healthy discussion, and while I might be obsessing on it just a little bit, I still haven't learned that secret handshake, so Marcus, next time we see each other, I'm expecting to be taught. I am so thankful that we're able to talk about it as brothers in Christ, and even though there may be specific opinions we have about Uh, what's going on in the media, what's going on around our country, and as brethren we might not all share the same opinion on what's going on. What we should be uniting around is the fact that we are brothers and sisters in Christ and that the blood of Jesus makes us one. I hope you'll be praying, that you'll be thinking and meditating about the things that we've gone through together and that as Christians we can show ourselves to the world as a family who loves God first and loves our neighbor as ourself. So, with this in mind, we're done. And this mini series is over, and we move on to the next Bible conversation. And until then, you can go to the website and you can look at all the great resources that are there to use and download absolutely free. And until then, this is Jonathan Edwards. Always remember God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. <laughs> Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true About a judge by the name of Gideon, he was a man like me and you